Peace be with you, brothers and sisters. Today is Father's Day Sunday service for 2021. We give thanks we can worship here together. To this day, God is helping us. We know that He will continue to lead us. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we give you thanks. There are many, many kinds of fathers on earth. However, our Heavenly Father is the one that loves us to the end. As we worship today, may you bless us from the beginning to the end that we are in your blessing. And may we dedicate our love to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.
Let me gaze upon your face All else will fade away There's no one else for me but you Let me stay I want to stay right here in your embrace Let me stay Now is our time for tithes and offering. Tithes and offering is one of our response to God's grace. There are two ways to do tithes and offering. You can do it by sending your personal check to the church office or by doing it online. The online giving information can be found on our church website. May God bless our tithes and offering. Hello, CBCGB. We are the Wikis. My name is Shohei. My name is Hawako. And I'm John, and I'm 18 years old. I'm Jay, and I'm 16 years old. My name is Izuri, and I'm 13 years old. My name is Joe, and I'm 10 years old. We are so thankful for your prayers and continued support. We're so grateful, especially those couple months, because my father passed away on the last March. It was not difficult not only myself, but also all of us. So in that difficult time, you all prayed for us and also gave us, send us a word of encouragement. So we are so thankful. Thank you. Our number one prayer request is about moving. We will soon move to the Tokyo Bay Area and we are right now raising additional support. We praise God that we have reached around 70% of our needs. Our goal is to meet 100% of our needs by the end of July. Also, please pray for multiplying the church plantings in Tokyo Bay Area where there are more than 150,000 people. We know only two churches in that area. We want to start a new church in a few years in the 
Bay Area, Tokyo. So we have a big need and we have a big vision and we believe this is God's direction for us as we serve in Japan. So we need your prayers and we are so thankful your partnership for the Japan. We are so grateful. Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you. you.
Let us pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we praise you this Father's Day for being our perfect Father. In the midst of all the changes that we have experienced this past year and all the uncertainty about the future, we praise you for being the constant God who does not shift with changing shadows. As we celebrate Father's Day today, we recognize that not all of us have had earthly fathers worthy of celebration. Some of us have also experienced the pain of losing our earthly fathers. And yet, all of us have you as our Heavenly Father, a Father who loves us perfectly, a Father who comforts us when we weep, a Father who surrounds us with your presence, a Father who never fails us and who is always faithful to your promises. You have blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. You have loved us so much that you have sent your only Son to redeem us through his blood in accordance with the riches of your grace, which you have lavished upon us. You are a Father who has marked us with the Holy Spirit, who guarantees our inheritance until we are fully redeemed to the praise of your glory. And so we pray that, like Paul, we might consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus our Lord. We pray that we might become more and more like Christ, that we might know the power of his resurrection and participate in his sufferings. Father, in our weakness, we ask that you would open our eyes to the broken world around us. And just as Christ died for us and resurrected to eternal glory, may you enable us to serve and embrace suffering for this world as we keep our eyes on the promised glory waiting for us in eternity. We pray for our brother and sister, Shohei and Sawako Ueki, who are serving in Tokyo, Japan, along with their children, John, Jay, Yuzuri, and Joe. We thank you, Lord, for how you protected and supported them this past March when Shohei's father passed away. We thank you for your comfort to them and for the confidence that in the midst of grief and sorrow, there is hope that they will be re reunited in heaven. We also pray for Shohei's mother, who has moved to a nursing home near Yokohama, and whose health has also deteriorated. We pray that she would have the care and support she needs. We pray that you would continue to comfort and encourage both her and the rest of the Ueki family during this time. We pray also for the family's move to the Tokyo Bay area from Chiba. We see the enormous step of faith they are taking in moving into the middle of what is the largest concentration of unreached people in history.
We pray that you would provide for all their physical, spiritual, and financial needs as they move into the heart of Tokyo to serve at Grace Harbor Church. May you grant them clear vision and guidance as they seek long-term to plant a daughter church in this region. We also pray for Shohei as he approaches a seeker to study the Bible one-on-one. We pray for wisdom for Shohei as he engages this young man and for you to open his heart to the gospel. And that we pray that you would open his heart to desire to grow in knowing you and that you would use these uh, one-on-one Bible times uh, to grow his vision of who you are, that he might know you and that he might worship you as well. And lastly, we pray for John as he graduates high school and takes a gap year. We pray that John would spend meaningful months ahead this year in growing and maturing in you, and that you would use this year to prepare him both for college and for a lifetime of seeking to know you, seeking to follow you, seeking to put his faith more and more in you, and seeking to serve you. Father, we praise you and thank you because we know you hear us, that you desire to work through our prayers, that every good and perfect gift comes from you and that you are faithful to your promises. May you strengthen us in faith to trust you through all circumstances for your glory. In your precious son's name, we pray all these things. Amen. Today's scripture reading is from Mark chapter 8, verses 22 through 38. Mark chapter 8, verse 22. And they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, Do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes. His sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. And he sent him to his home, saying, Do not even enter the village. Nikantianshimala,他就抬头一看,说,我看见人了,他好像树木,并且行走。随后,有安守在他眼睛上,他定睛一看,就复了原,样样都看得清楚了。Yesu And Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that I am? And they told him, John the Baptist. And others say, Elijah. And others, one of the prophets. And he asked them, But who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, You are the Christ. And he strictly charged them to tell no one about him. Yesu 
，你是基督。”耶稣就禁戒他们，不要告诉人。Verse thirty-one, and he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed, and after three days rise again. And he said this plainly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, "Get behind me, Satan! For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man." 宝藏三十一节。从此，他教训他们说：“人子必须受许多的苦，被长老、祭司长和文士弃绝，并且被杀，过三天复活。”耶稣明明的说着话，彼得就拉着他劝他。耶稣转过来看着门徒，就责备彼得说：“撒旦，退我后边去吧，因为你不体贴神的意思，只体贴人的意思。” Verse 34. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, "If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me." For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake, and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. 三十四节，于是叫众人和门徒来对他们说：“若有人要跟从我，就当舍己，背起他的十字架来跟从我。因为凡要救自己生命的，必丧掉生命；凡为我和福音丧掉生命的，必救了生命。人就是赚得全世界，赔上自己的生命，有什么益处呢？人还能拿什么换生命呢？凡在这淫乱。”罪恶的世代，把我和我的道当作可耻的。人子在他父的荣耀里同圣天使降临的时候，也要把那人当作可耻的。May God bless the reading of His word. 愿神祝福他的话语。I love music. I love listening to it. I like making it. I love figuring out. You know. How it's produced and how it was made, and and one of the reasons I, I I love music so much is that I'm always noticing something new about the songs that I'm listening to, whether it be a bassline or whether it be a drum fill I've never heard before. Uh, uh, recently, one of the songs I've been listening to, I think someone's like. Uh, their their text message signal goes off, and it's noticing that little detail in in the song, and makes me think my own <laughs> my own phone has gone off, and and also too, like I've been learning recently about harmony and how to sing in harmony, and and that's opened a a whole new world of sonic possibilities to me, and and, my, and it's attuned my ear to something new, and 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 even too, like、uh, I love music so much that I I bought a bunch of books about mixing and and sound and. Well, this is one. It, it's called "Mixing Secrets for the Small Home Studio," and and another one called Re "Recording Producing in, in the Home Studio,"、uh, a complete guide, and and another one called the the Ultimate Live Sound Operator's Handbook, Third Edition, updated and expanded. And <laughs> with that, with that all. Hopefully, what that will show you is that, like, I love music, and as, as I've been learning a lot more about theory of music and how music's recorded, that it's it's helped me have a deeper appreciation for. 
songs that I've heard a hundred times, a thousand times. Now I bring this up because today we're today as I was praying for the the, the sermon for Father's Day, I felt the Lord, um, you know call me to preach a sermon on just the basic and simple and beautiful message of the gospel. And even though it's something that you've probably heard before, my prayer is that for you, it would, there would be that God would open up your eyes to see something new. So for you as fathers, I, I pray that God would, would, would show you and teach you and, and reveal in your heart, maybe, maybe remind you of something about being a father and what it means that God is our father. And, 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 and what I also recognize is that on Father's Day, it can be a hard holiday for some people because you might, not, you might not have had a father or you might have lost your father or maybe your father wasn't a, a great example for you. And, and what, I, what my prayer for you today as well is that even though your, your earthly father might not have been there, might not have been the best example, that, that you would be reminded today of your heavenly father and how good he is and how he loves you and how he cares for you, and that God would open up your eyes to see something new about him. And as we talk about the gospel, you'd be drawn into your heavenly father. So... Today we're going to be looking at, at, at a few different scenes from the Gospel of Mark. And, and if you've ever studied the book of Mark, there are two questions that will help you understand what the entirety of the book of Mark is, is all about. The first question is, who is Jesus? Right? Because throughout the book of Mark, there, there are people that come to Jesus and, and they ask him, they, they come to him because he's healing him. They come to him because he's a great teacher and, and, and a lot of people think he's a prophet. So the question is, the first question that we, that, that, that is explored in the book of Mark is who is Jesus? And, and the answer is that he's the Christ. He's the Messiah. He's the one who saves. He's the one who has promised and all of history has been waiting for. That is who Jesus is. But then the second question of Mark, comes directly after that. If Jesus is the Christ, then what does it mean to follow him? And what we see is that for Jesus being the Christ, it means to surrender his life and die and rise again. And to follow him means to take up our cross and die in following him. And so the reason I explain that is because the story today acts as the kind of the crux, the intersection of these two questions. And, and it's really the hinge on which the book of Mark relies on is, is where are we encounter our story today. It's, it's where the story of healing takes place. So, so uh, the presiders already read the story, but I, I want to give a quick recap. And so we're brought into the scene of, of a blind man who is brought to Jesus. And when Jesus lays hands on this blind man for the first time, the blind man says, I, I can see, but I can't see. I can see around me, but all these people look like they're trees who are walking. And Jesus lays hand on him again. And the man, his sight is fully restored. Now, have you ever, have you ever wondered and read the story, why does Jesus have to lay hands on this man two times? Is, is it because this man didn't have a lack of faith the first time, or is it because Jesus' powers didn't come out enough? No, no it's the, the reason why Jesus lays hands on this man twice is because this story is helping us understand the story that comes next. And what this is a, a physical representation of Peter's understanding of who Jesus is later. 
that what we'll see is that with Peter's understanding of Jesus, he can see he was blind, but now he can see, but he can't fully see until it's totally revealed to him. It's a physical reality shown in this miracle of a spiritual understanding of what happens in the story next. And now this is, so that, that's kind of the, the introduction to, to the, the, the next part of the story. But be, be before, before we move into that, right, before we move into Peter's response and Jesus' responses to Peter's response and the rebuking that happens, I think, I think it, it, it serves as a warning for us too. That we can be Christians and see, but not truly see. We can be like the man who is blind and we see, but we can't fully see. And so my prayer for us today, though we've heard the gospel so many times, is that we wouldn't be a people who see but not see, but we'd truly be able to see what God has for us. So let me, let me pray for us, and then we'll really start diving into the text. Lord, I pray that you would open the eyes of our hearts, not just to know that you're the Christ, but to truly mean what it, truly understand when you want to be the Christ over all of our lives, over everything that we, everything that we are. Help us, Lord Jesus, to see you truly. We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. So, with a story, with a story that happens, we ask this question: What does it mean to truly see? Well, 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 the first part that's important here in verse twenty-eight is that Jesus asks Peter, "Who do people say I am? Who, who, who do all all the other people that have come to me over the course, all the people that have been healed, who do they say I am?" And Peter replies in verse twenty-eight: Some say John the Baptist; others say Elijah. And they're, they're one of the prophets. And then verse 29 is the crux. Jesus asked Peter, but who do you, you, Peter, you've been with me. Who do you say I am? And Peter answers him, you are the Christ. That's the first thing that we're supposed to see. You are the Christ. Now, this is, this is an important statement. You are the Christ. What does it mean? Let's unpack this. So from the beginning of creation and from the fall, from when sin first entered the world, we've been waiting for someone who's come to save. From that prophecy in Genesis 3.15 where it says, the descendant of the man will crush the head of the snake, crush evil. We've been waiting for the moment where evil is going to be destroyed, where all the dissonance inside of us is going to be healed and made at peace, right? Us in our hearts knowing what is right and wrong and still choosing what's wrong. Or seeing all the injustice and all the, the dissonance and frustration in the world and saying, when is that going to be made right? Or even maybe inside of us too, there's a dissonance of what, what I know, what God is calling me to be and what I am right now, whether it be your mental health, whether it be sexually, anything. There's this dissonance and this unrest that goes on inside of us and in the world. And we're, we've been waiting for healing for that. And when Jesus says, when, well, sorry, when Peter says, you're the Christ, when Peter says, you are the Christ, it's saying that you are the one we've been waiting for to heal, to give us rest, to restore the world to how things are supposed to be. That's unpacking here. You are the Christ. The Christ is the one who has come to save. 
that Christ is the one, that all creation, all of our hearts, longings, and desires have been waiting for and are found and find rest in him. That is who Peter, when Peter says he's, when Peter says you are the Christ, that's what he's talking about. Jesus is our Savior. Now, that's the first thing that we're supposed to see. Jesus is our Savior. Now, let's talk about what that means a little bit for for us. What does it mean that Christ is our Savior? Well, that means that there's only going to be one Savior. And so what that means is that that, that, that we can't be putting our own hope of salvation on us, or maybe on our education, or maybe on school or maybe on finances or on our job, that none of those things are going to save us nor save any of our children as well. Education isn't going to save your children. Extracurricular activities, them being engineers or doctors or lawyers or actuaries, none of those things are going to save you or your children. Not, and also as a parent too, none of your own effort, though you should be putting an effort, none of those things, you aren't your child's savior. What is the savior? Who is the savior? The savior of all of us, the savior of humanity, the savior in every part of our lives is is Jesus Christ. Peter's declaration, Jesus, you are the Christ, is a declaration that Jesus is Savior over all, all things. Therefore, we aren't. So personally, if you've been struggling, if you've been wrestling with some sin, or you've been feeling dissonant in your life and in your heart, or you've been trying to work hard to just try to give your kids the best, Know first that Jesus is the one who saves. Not you, not me, not government, not education. Jesus is the one who saves. So we can put all of our burdens, all of our anxieties, all of our worries on him. Jesus is the one who saves. And and I'm reminded on on, on a day like Father's Day, again, how hard it can be for people who 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 don't have fathers. Or maybe your father was lacking, or maybe your fathers are gone right now. And, and one of the beautiful things about Jesus as a Savior is that part of the sal- salvation of Jesus is restored relationship with the perfect Father, God our Father. And so in that salvation is perfect relationship with God meeting the perfect, kind, loving father. And so if you are a father, letting that be a role model. We, I recognize that my own imperfections as a dad, especially as I've been away from my kids, but I lean into the perfect father for my kids. And, and if you don't have that father in your life anymore, you can lean into that relationship with him who is the perfect father for you. Jesus saves. That's the first thing we ought to see. Peter's declaration, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the Son of God. You are the one we've all been waiting for is here. So lean into that today. The second thing, the second thing that we're supposed to see, well, is actually we're we're, we're supposed to see Peter's not seeing. In verse 31, Right after the revelation that Jesus, yes, you are the Christ, you are the Messiah, Jesus starts to teach them, now what does it mean to follow me? Right? We answered that first question, 
who is Jesus? Well, he's the Messiah. Now, what does it mean to follow him? And it says in verse 32, I'll read this right here. Verse 32. It starts, and he, Jesus, said this plainly. What did he say plainly in verse 31? That the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And after three days, rise again. Jesus says plainly. Now, the reason it's important it says plainly is because before Jesus would speak in parables so that people who truly wanted to seek him would He said this plainly. There's nothing hidden here that because he's the Messiah, then he therefore must suffer and die and be killed. And, and Peter takes Jesus aside and he says, Jesus, no way. He rebukes Jesus. He says, Jesus, no way. You're the Messiah. There's no way. It was outside of Peter's expectations that the Messiah, the chosen one of God, the Savior of all humanity, the Savior of, of all the tension and unrest in our hearts would come and die. And Jesus rebukes him for that, right? So for Peter, though, the reason why, the reason why he, re, he comes to Jesus and rebukes him is because he, he do, it's, it's not in his expectation that the Messiah, the one who's come to save, would die. Because what he expected the Messiah, what the Jewish people expect the Messiah to do, was, was to take over the Roman rule, the Roman reign, the Roman government, set them free from oppression. They expected him to establish a human kingdom and that the whole world would come to Israel. For Jesus to suffer and die was totally outside of Peter's expectations. And here's what Jesus says to Peter at the end of verse 33. He says, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Peter's expectations of the Messiah were the expectations of man, not the expectations of God. Now, that again is a challenge to us. Our expectations. Yes, we can recognize that Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus is the Messiah who's come to save, but still miss what it means for us and for our lives and for our own expectations because we set our minds on the things not of God, but the things of the world. So, Church, fathers, today, where are your minds? There's a lot of things in the world that draw our attention, that draw our minds everywhere, that is pulling and vying for our attention. Social media, our work, our politics, everything that's happening in the news, right? We have misaligned priorities when it comes to work and life and family and church and what kind of balance we should have. And a lot of the people I talk to these days, they say they struggle with work-life balance and prioritizing and, and, and organizing which things are, are truly important, not to mention my church life and then also my relationship with other believers. And my encouragement for you is that one easy way to, 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 to get our minds on the things of God is prayer. Now, that's, a, that, that's something you've heard before, but, but prayer. And, and I recognize that sometimes it's, it's hard to pray. Especially it's hard to pray by ourselves for a long time. And, and it might feel weird, 
But here's a suggestion. Um, maybe we could start praying with, with your whole family or whoever's in your house or your roommates or even meeting regularly with your small group outside of regular small group time to pray. And because prayer, it, it, helps get our, it helps bring our minds to the things of God. And as we pray, we, we confess, I can't do this on my own, but God, I need you. And, and also, too, re- regular scripture reading. You know, and, and I, I admit that sometimes that, that prayer and scripture just seem like ordinary, mundane, normal things that we do. And oftentimes, too, after a long day, you know, I won't get to sleep till one or two and sometimes three in the morning. And, uh, and then reading my Bible and praying just feels like checking off a box. But, but, but what prayer and what reading scripture does is that it starts to shape us. It starts to shape our hearts and our priorities and what we care about. As we lift all of our anxieties and our burdens and our worries and our struggles, everything about who we are to God, he starts to shape our hearts and change who we are. We start to love the things of the world less. We start to love the things of the Lord more. And we don't fall into the trap that we see Peter to not reject Sorry, to reject Jesus because of misaligned priorities. We want to see and to have our minds cast on the things of the Lord. So the first thing that we're supposed to see in this passage is that Jesus, yes, he's the savior of the world. And in, in his salvation, he brings us close to the Father. The second thing that we're supposed to see is that even though Jesus still suffers, Jesus, even though he's, he's the Christ, he still suffers. And we're, we're not supposed to miss that because of misaligned priorities. But we're supposed to cast our mind on the things of God. And, and the last thing that we're supposed to see is, is Jesus' response for us to his suffering, to the suffering that's coming. Now, in in verse 34, there's a little bit of a shift here. Verse 34 says, he calls the crowds to him with the disciples. Now, he says, everybody. This isn't just a disciple moment. This is an everybody moment. And, and And he starts to describe, what does it mean to follow me? Verse 34 and 5, he says, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Verse 35, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel will save it. And here we see clearly in the crux of the book, what does it mean to follow Jesus? Because we've, we've answered this question, right? We're, we're starting to see who is Jesus? Like we were blind before, but now we see Jesus is the Christ. And what the Christ means is that he's going to suffer and die by the ones he came to save. And to follow him means that we also walk in the suffering of the self-denial. We take up our cross and we follow in his example. Now we, we, we get a total uh, flipping over of the world because, because usually we think, yes, it, establish your kingdom. Yes, reign over the earth. And that one day is going to happen. But now to follow Christ means to die is gain. That we think of the Beatitudes, that the, the, the weak, the poor in spirit, those are the ones who will inherit the kingdom of heaven. 
if you think of what Jesus did on the cross for us, that the very people who crucified him, that condemned the Son of God himself, God himself, on a cross, on an instrument of torture, he says, I came to save those. And it was, like the song says, it was my sin that held him there. My sin upon his shoulders. The cross of Jesus set us free. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, the, the cross of Jesus set us free. We, he died for us. And yet Jesus is glorified and he's seated at the right hand of God because of his sacrifice. And this is a shape, this is a shifting and a reshaping of our values and the priorities of the kingdom of God. And so let's think about again what that means for us. That Je yes, Jesus is the Christ. We're supposed to see that, yes. And that we're also, supposed, we're also supposed to see that the Christ meant to suffer and die and we're supposed to rearrange our priorities. And we're supposed to do likewise. We're calling to enter into the suffering with Christ. So what does that mean for us to enter into the suffering, to follow, to bear our cross daily? Well, real practically for some of you, that might just mean that it, you need to go into overseas mission, that God is calling you to leave a life of comfort and knowing where your next paycheck is going to come from and, and a life of having a great, grand retirement at 45. And that means going to missions. But for, other, for others of you, that means being missional here in your work now and considering how you might live out Christ in the workplace to your coworkers. For some of you, to bear your cross to reshape your values, reshape your priorities, to follow Jesus might mean re-looking at your finances and saying, Lord, would you have complete control and domain over my finances? Or maybe your, not just your finances, but also your time. Where are you spending your time saying, Lord, would you have complete control? Would I be willing to sacrifice like you did your life? Would I be willing to sacrifice some of my comfort and some of my time for you, Jesus. And maybe taking your time and money to not just serve the church, but serve your local community too, to be the light of Christ in the darkness, to help those in need, to help the poor, the needy, the widow, the orphan, not just serving in church. I mean, what, what, I, what, I'm, what I'm trying to say is a big picture, as an idea here, is that what we're, call, we're called to be followers of Jesus and walk and to bear our cross, right? And sometimes we're, we're called to suffer and to give up of ourselves and to sacrifice of ourselves. And, and, but, but what we see here is that even in the worst circumstance of Jesus, the Son of God literally dying on the cross, he, did, he bore an instrument of torture for us. That it wasn't meaningless, that it wasn't purposeless. And as we move in, and move into an area of, of maybe sacrificing a little bit too, of, of taking a step of faith, that we, we also recognize that because Jesus did it, that when we're called to follow him, that it's not meaningless when we sacrifice and when things are hard and when things are painful. Because Jesus' sacrifice, his death wasn't meaningless either. And, and when we step into suffering, when we step into self-sacrifice, when we step into following Jesus' steps, 
we start to understand a little bit more of what the heart of God is. We start to press in to Jesus. We understand what he went through a little bit more. And we know that it wasn't in vain and it's not in vain. Though there might be times where we don't see and understand why hardship is happening to us, though we might not be able to see always the immediate result of our service, of our sacrifice, we know that it's not in vain. We know that it's doing something and we also know too that it helps us to press and move into and understand the heart of God a little bit more for this world. We join in the glory and the beauty knowing that the sacrifice was worth it. It absolutely was worth it. So that's what we're supposed to see today. That first, we're supposed to know that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Savior who's come. And the second thing is that if, if, we, if we only see Jesus as the, Messiah, as, as the Messiah and the Savior, that we're still, we, we, we're, we're, we're seeing truly, but we're not seeing fully. Yes, we're seeing, but we're not seeing the whole picture. We're, we're like, we're seeing the world, like, like the blind man says, we're seeing trees that look like they're walking around. That to know that Jesus is the Messiah, that he's the Savior is not enough because it needs to move into our hearts and affect us. Know that it, it needs to reshape and re, reprioritize our priorities. Knowing that he came to suffer. And we don't want to be like Peter and, and rebuke that but say, Lord, how would you have us following you? It's an invitation today to walk in the suffering and the glory of knowing God, of knowing Jesus. So I'm going to conclude in two ways. First, there's an invitation. It's an invitation today. If you don't know Jesus, let me tell you that he's the Savior. And that he's inviting you today to join this family. Yes, he says there will be suffering. But you know, in life, there's just going to be suffering regardless. And he says, as you join in the suffering, what you realize is that it's not pointless, but yet you understand the heart of God and, and you gain a community of people that will come around you. You gain a God who will help you understand and give you peace and walk with you through the hardship and the suffering. And you gain a God who is a father who cares for you. So today there's an invitation. If you don't know Jesus, it's an invitation to know him that the dissonance in your heart finds its hope and rest in Christ. The dissonance in the world, the hardship of the world, finds the tension that we feel finds its rest in Jesus. So there's an invitation for you today. Would you like to know Jesus? If you would, please reach out. And second, you know, if, if, you already, if you're already walking with Jesus today, there's an invitation to examine your sight. Are you seeing but not truly seeing? Are you seeing that Christ is the Savior, yet you're not looking at the priority of, of all of your life and saying, Jesus, you reign, you're my Savior in, in this area. Or, or you're, you, I know that you reign, but you're not my Savior in this area. Are you, are you accepting today that Jesus is the Savior over all parts of your life? And if he is, then are you reevaluating your priorities? and what you care about, and reevaluating your heart. 
Would you take a moment this week to examine how you're spending time, money, effort, free time? And ask that God would have dominion and domain and reign and be the savior over all areas of my life. Now, the second, th the second way I want to add is I want to talk to you guys who are dads. I know that every dad is, is different and every family situation is different. But first of all, I should say, happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to you. And I know that there's a, there's a lot of things that go on with being a dad, right? You know, you got to take care of your kids and your wife and you're working too. And, you know, thank you for what you do. But today, I know as it can be overwhelming, would you take a second now, maybe as we pray or maybe in this response song to, to first look at your life and say, Lord, are you my savior? Do I trust that you are the savior of my life and my kids' life, that, that I don't have to try to be or try to save my kids on my own and their life. No, that I can trust all that I am and my kids and my family to a savior who cares. And would you also say, Lord, would you be the savior over all areas of my life and help me to reprioritize? Sometimes that might mean staying that when you're home, being engaged a little bit more and asking God for strength after a long day of work. And I think lastly, too, just, just knowing that, that, that when Jesus meets us in the suffering, if there are some anxieties and some burdens and some struggles that are on your heart, would you say, Lord, would you help me to address these anxieties and burdens? And Lord, as, as, I'm, as I'm dealing with it, as I'm wrestling with this, Lord, would you give me peace? But also, would you help me to understand what you were going through and press into you and help me understand your heart in this too? Dads, would you be willing today to lay down your burdens and anxieties, your hopes, your dreams, lay them before the Lord and say, Jesus, you are my savior, you are my king, and you're enough for me. And let Jesus minister in your heart today. I pray that as a church, we would have eyes that see. Not just a little bit, not just clearly, but we'd have eyes to see that Jesus is our savior over all things, all dominions of our lives that we trust him and give him reign. And when suffering comes, that we would press into him as well. Let that be our prayer that we'd be able to see. Amen. Thank you.
今天是父亲节主日，我们在这里祝每一位父亲父亲节快乐。虽然啊、呃，我们常常看到母亲对家庭有很大的贡献，但是在父亲节的时候，也请我们不要忘记，父亲对家庭也有非常大的影响力。所以在今天，让我们每一位做儿女的。找一个时间，找一个机会，向你的父亲，不管是给他一个 hug， 或者是向他说一声父亲节快乐。让我们一起来欢迎新朋友。如果你今天是第一次上网参加我们的主日崇拜，不管你是属于跨越桥的，或者是属于中文部的，我们都要表达对你的欢迎。欢迎你加入我们这个属灵的大家庭。虽然现在因为我们在网上聚会，不能够和你面对面的见面谈话，但是我们仍然希望认识你，希望可以与你有更多的分享交通，也向你更多介绍我们的教会。所以，如果你希望我们可以跟你联络，请你透过现在出现在屏幕上的这个啊网页的那个 link 和我们的啊。
跨越桥，或者是和我们的中文部的新人接待同工联络。我们期望可以与你联络，更多的介绍你的教会啊。我们的教啊，更希望的是啊，在不久的将来，我们可以和你面对面的相见。接下来有几件事情报告。第一件事情是昨天啊，跨越桥和我们的青少年施工在啊户外有一个联合的洗礼，总共有七位。啊，弟兄姐妹在那个洗礼当中受洗，见证他们的信仰，让我们一起为他们祷告，也一起为他们感到高兴。愿神带领他们啊，在前面的信仰的道路上能够稳固的向前走，越走越成长。六月二十八号到七月二号上午的时间，是我们今年的暑期儿童圣经班 （VBS） 的时候。那么今年因为疫情的关系，所以我们要在网上进进行。但是我们的儿童施工仍然为大家预备了非常丰富、对儿童有非常大帮助的节目。所以，请我们当中的家长，请你为你的孩子报名参加今年的暑期儿童圣经班。报名请透过我们教会的网页。七月份，中文堂和跨越桥。仍然有每一个月一次的实体崇拜的时间啊，欢迎弟兄姐妹上网报名实体来参加崇拜。中文堂的时间是七月十八号，啊，跨越桥的时间是七月二十五号。因为目前还有疫情的顾虑，我们仍然没有完全全开，啊，开放的只是部分的人数。所以如果你要参加实体聚会，欢迎你赶快上网报名。七月十八号，中文堂有孩童奉献礼。我们当中做父母的，如果你有心把自己的孩子奉献给神，按照神的心意来养育他们，欢迎你报名参加。报名请联络教会的办公室。我的报告到此结束，让我们一起唱三一颂，并且领受从神而来的赐福。受从神而来的赐福，愿主耶稣基督的恩惠、天父上帝的慈爱和圣灵的感动与交通，常与我们众人同在，从今时直到永永远远。阿门。崇拜到此结束，愿上帝赐福给大家，父亲节快乐。